Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I am your host for today, tonight, Troy Goodfellow. With me today is our wargaming friend and original panelist, Dr. Bruce Garrick. Hello, gamers. And our producer uh, and good friend, Mr. Michael Hermes. Good morning. Uh, this is the first show in kind of a tradition here at Three Moves Ahead. This is our first show in the 2018 Winter of Wargaming. We're starting a little bit late on it this winter, but the idea is we devote a series of shows in the winter season when people want to hunker down with games that will take them a while to get through, that requires study and warmth, um, and that's what war games are really good for. Uh, so the winter of wargaming starts this week, and we'll see how many wargames we can get through before the new life of spring takes our eyes away from the death all around right, climate us. change and all that, you know. Yeah, well, climate change means bad winters, too. Uh, tonight, we're going to start with a game that I've been wanting to get to for a while, and there's been a lot of barriers to me uh, getting around to first playing it, understanding it, uh, finding enough people to talk about it. And that is Command Modern Air Naval Operations, which probably wins a some sort of title for awkward uh, war game title of the year. Um, it is published by Matrix Games. It is developed by uh, Warfare Sims, uh, published by Slytherin Matrix and developed by Warfare Sims. It is a... 21st Century Harpoon. Harpoon is a game I've talked about a lot in the show, a classic air-naval real-time war game. This is the new version of it. It is big, it is popular, it is deep. It is something altogether. And I'm going to start with you, Bruce, because uh, we talk a lot about uh, weapons of war and machines of war, and this is a game that takes its love of the hardware to a really deep, deep level. Uh, can you explain what is going on in Samano? Ah, God. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, can you explain the game, what, what the game is trying to do? Yeah, so um, I think what, what the game is trying to do is it's trying to give you really a realistic simulation this is what you would see if you were actually operating this hardware kind of experience. And I, I mean, it does a good job of that. It, there, there have been some games that um, did this a while back. I don't know if you recall a series called, um, well, it was the company's called ProSim, and Patrick Proctor was the developer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was uh, published by Shrapnel. And it really came, I think these all come from a sort of um, military training background. These are, these are games that grew out of um, contracts that these uh, developers had with the military to create training modules. And uh, they're for, you know, various scenarios. Combat Modern uh, Air Naval Operations is sort of an all-in-one package. It tries to do everything. Some of the other games that I've played in this, these kinds of things are, are much more focused. They have uh, terrain-specific, situation-specific uh, games. There's, I think, BCT Commander, Brigade Combat Team. There was a, there was a Falklands game. There was a, a 
And these are not all, these are not in the same series. I'm just talking about games that became, that came out of uh, training uh, development. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like you're training to manage the hardware that uh, military professionals uh, use. And I've got to say, I think that it is, um, it, it, it's sort of a cash, I don't want to call it a casualty because I don't think it's a casualty. I think it's just a, it's developed in a certain way because the game that you mentioned, Troy, which was Harpoon, um, I remember playing that. I think a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast will probably remember that very fondly. Harpoon did as much as it could do at the time. And I think that uh, there's this interesting sort of, I don't know if it's an uncanny valley thing, but once upon a time, we have all these fond memories of things like flight sims and games that at the time seemed to be as realistic as they possibly could be. And I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast where you had a, um, a, a sort of almost sensory overload, but you the, the amount of things that the computer could simulate, the, the, the sort of um, cognitive load that you had was at the limit of what the computer could do and just about at your limit. So it created this kind of happy coincidence uh, or a synergy where you just, where you felt that you were doing everything that there was to do, but you could still handle it. And that's, that's sort of, I, I call that the Falcon 3.0 uh, uh, effect. And then at some point, the, you know, your hardware became, it became possible to simulate a lot more than you could handle. And then you kind of get to where some of these games get to, which is that you're constantly pausing, you're constantly um, looking in the interface, you're constantly scanning things in a way that I don't think that you could do uh, if you were actually a military professional because you'd be dead. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that every time you get a message, the thing pauses. There's a lot of stuff you have to do. And, um, and I don't know that it doesn't feel like it's, it's, it doesn't feel like there's a design philosophy behind it. It's sort of put everything into the game that you could possibly do. And I, and then that's a, that's a, that's a simulation philosophy. And I think it diverges from game at that point, but it's still, but there's still, I mean, I, I, you can find it very enjoyable. There are a lot of systems Harpoon did what it could um, and made you feel like you were overwhelmed, but you really weren't. This game, I think, can make you feel quite overwhelmed. I don't know if you agree or not. Michael, how have you done your experience with it? You have probably, for the first of us, I think, who actually can crack this and understand it. This is a game that I have a lot of friends who play. They play it and love, and it took me forever to get through the hump. But you were one of the first of us to crack it. Have you found the experience in Samano? Oh, I've I've quite liked it. I think for context, um, just because of maybe an age difference, um, this is the f first game of this type that I've played. So I don't have the background of playing Harpoon uh, back in the day, and my wargaming background is is you know more traditional hex based operational type things. But this uh, part of what drew me to this is I I have not played something similar. Um, with this interface, this level of, of specificity, um, 
this type of gameplay. And for me, it's, it's, it's novel in that regard. So, uh, I, I can, I can see where Bruce is coming from and I've had the same thoughts about, well, you know, I, I've often laughed about how many, you know, how, how awful these things would have gone, how pear-shaped these things would be if in real time, you know, I was sitting behind a console somewhere trying to actually direct these poor people, you know, under my direct command and they'd all be dead and I would be dead, just as Bruce said. I've I've considered, you know, playing a, an unpaused game or an unpausable game just to see how things go, but it, to me it's like a... Um, any other type of simulator, baseball simulator, sports simulator, where um, I enjoy the pace of the stop, make a decision, unpause, see what happens. Um, it's 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 not overwhelming in the sense that at any time I can take my time to just go through the interface, find what I need to find. And there's a distinct lack of panic, I think, in the whole thing, which, again, is not realistic for a strategy simulation uh, or something that's supposed to be used as a training tool, but um, it uh, it 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 becomes enjoyable for me. Um, learning it was basically the same process as learning any um, large enterprise software. <laughs> we just kind of have to come to grips with the quirks of the interface and yeah, finding that, that where things fun. are. Hey, enterprise software. It it uh, it's fun for some people. I'll say that. Um, because it's taking enterprise software and giving you something more enjoyable to do with it. How about that? Um, but it's not, it's not straightforward in the interface. Um, it's, it's really one of those things where I think veterans will say, well, once you get, once, once you know it, it's, it's pretty straightforward and that's, I think true for anything, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like the game. I, I feel like I've, I miss out on a lot of the conversations you guys had just because my, my gaming and my PC use started, you know, well into the nineties. And at that point I wasn't just interested in war games. I just, you know, wanted to play doom. Um, but yeah, the background of playing harpoon and other similar games. Um, I, I don't have that, but I enjoy what I get out of this game. So let's talk a bit about the, about the I, there's a lot I really like about this game, but I do want to talk about the interface uh, and the menus. This game has a lot of menus and I keep thinking there has to be a better way. Every time I open a new menu, I think there has to be a better way to set up an air an airline intercept line than to go through set up a set up these reference points and then find your planes and send them to the reference points. Why is it so hard to set areas of operation? Um, why do we have to set mission zones first and then do all the helicopter stuff after it's at the mission zone instead of launching a helicopter and say, here's a mission area? And the answer to that is because this is a simulation, because this is an attempt to simulate how things work. And how things work is you set the area and then you assign the groups to the area instead of how we play war games generally. We pick the asset you want to use, then we tell the asset what we want to do, what we want it to do. Um, so it's by its, its focus on you know simulation and design, it in many ways turns all of the war game stuff that I've been used to on its head. So this might be a lot easier for someone like um, you know uh, Michael to get into since he doesn't have any of that baggage. Now, last year I mentioned in passing to a friend that I had some problems getting into this game. And one of the developers got really mad at me. Like, he must have been searching for Samano or something because he doesn't, didn't follow me. And he was angry that 
I was, I was clearly too stupid to understand the interface or something. He must have been having a really, really bad day. I said, look, I play really complicated, difficult games. I mean, I'm, I work on Crusader Kings. I know what a bad interface is. Uh, so, you know, and people figure it out. And people figure this out. But there was a long barrier to me to get into this. And even the low-difficulty scenarios of, you know, here are some boats off the Korean Peninsula in 1950 where I don't have to worry about uh, elaborate air radar networks and all of this stuff. It took me a while to figure out how do, we, how do I even shoot something? What's the difference between manual and auto? How do I assign uh, weapons? It took me some time to figure that out. Now, once I did, yeah, okay, this actually makes kind of sense. Um, but then I look at the modern scenarios. Um, and this game has scenarios going from uh, 1950 till, you know, you can do the, uh, this game likes to do rip from the headline stuff. So there was, when there was a recent crisis with North Korea, they said, hey, here's a North Korean scenario. Can you take out the North Korean radars? And it's, everything has a radar. And there's everything to shoot. Um, and it's kind of overwhelming. Um, and for some reason, though, I'm a lot, I have a lot of very smart friends, many of whom have less war game experience than me, and they've sailed into this with no problem whatsoever. But for some reason, it, this just kept bouncing off of me for the longest time, and only in the last couple of weeks have things started to click in the way that, okay, I can actually handle some of the, I can't handle the, here's a nest of radars, go and bomb the Crimea type thing. But, you know, I can handle scenarios up to like the 1970s um, and do okay. Uh, and, and for reference, the, the, the size of the scenarios really has an impact on yeah. how, how much you have to work on. So it can range from, you know, one to two to three vessels um, over the course of a couple hours or maybe half a day up to several days, maybe three days, um, you know, sort of an entire fleet, hundreds of aircraft at your disposal. It, it, and one thing I will give them is that in the, um, the menu, the, the scenario selection menu, they're ranked, or you can rank them or sort them by yeah. complexity and difficulty. And that's a really big help for people who want to try to not get overwhelmed right away. Their initial tutorials were not very good. Uh, but they've linked other tutorials, both within the uh, menu, tutorial missions, and uh, the video tutorials via YouTube are known as Belugan. They are linked in the help menu. Um, so there yeah, are that's, lots that's of that's important. Different... Yeah. 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 The, 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 <clears throat> the in-game tutorials aren't very good, um, but the, uh, I think the, that, that guy uh, does some fantastic tutorials, and you really need to, to watch those. Just, I mean, th I, think the, I think gaming is coming to this point where that's really going to be what people expect. And as long as you have a video tutorial, nobody cares about the documentation. Nobody cares about the tutorials, which is fine. I mean, gaming evolves. Um, I want to mention, Troy, you know, I think that what you said is true. I think that, you know, I, I, I got into the game, you know, I was joking at the beginning, like, I don't know what's going on. And I know what's going on. Um, it's just that uh, I think that the game clearly... <clears throat> It is a simulation. Um, I don't think that when you make a simulation, you sort of are you, you get a pass, or you're you're not required to make a reasonable uh, menu. I doubt. Oh, of that. course. 
actual planners are having to go through 10 menus to, uh, like like Michael said, you know, if, if they actually had to do all that stuff, then they'd all be dead. Well, they, they, um, also, they also wouldn't be working alone. Right. And they wouldn't be, you know, doing a lot of the stuff they would, people would be making decisions and then those decisions would be communicated, you know, by voice, uh, things like that. Some of the stuff would be automated. So while it's a simulation, it's not really a simulation, right? You're not right. You, yeah. you're not going to be able to take this and say, okay, now I can, uh, you know, now I can command a task force. Um, the the thing that I both like and don't like about it is that the game has an incredible amount of detail, and I like seeing a lot of that detail. Some of the stuff I find very odd. So the game will. You know, the, the way that the game is represented for the for people who haven't played the game and don't know really what we're talking about, the game really is sort of a uh, military electronic representation of a battlefield. So you have a lot of icons, you have a lot of, uh, you know, radii, you have uh, vectors, you have, uh, you know, areas of detection that are, you know, you have these kind of, um, uh, you know, regions that are that are demarcated on the map and you have to you have to make sense of a whole bunch of of different lines and grids and things like that which is fine um and i like that to some extent the thing that i just find strange is is how much you have to dig to do things which i think really takes away from <clears throat> one of the things that i uh, i really appreciate in games and i think that it's a it's a it's a sort of a designer skill is pacing and I think that the game, <clears throat> that's my biggest actual problem with the game, not the interface, not the, um, not the sort of cryptic uh, symbology, because you can get through all that, you can learn how to do things, you can figure things out, you can watch tutorials. What you can't do is you can't pace the game uh, for itself. The, the game has to pace itself. And I think that um, there's a game I uh, called, I think it's Air War Over Vietnam or War Over Vietnam or something like yeah. that. It's a John Tiller game. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It's a, it's a HPS Sims game, and it does very much this um, just in Vietnam. So I, I guess uh, this game could technically obsolete that game, although I think it doesn't. Um, but what it... What I find in that game is that there are these long periods of uh, just, you know, sitting watching things happen and short periods of, you know, very intense combat, just like in this game. What the, what the game, I think, does is it sets up, in certain, in certain scenarios anyway, it sets things up so that the game paces itself through the scenario in a way that constantly keeps your interest. Um it has a lot of the same problems that this game does. I shouldn't call them problems. A lot of similarities to this game. The same kind of military symbology, the same kind of real-time uh, information, the same kind of, you know, lack of, of um, you know, entertainment-style graphics so that you're, you, you really are set in the, uh, in the, the sort of real-life analog of the game. Um, but I find that some th some things about um, combat modern uh, na uh, air and naval operations is that a lot of the scenarios are terribly paced, and that 
is a barrier for me to enjoying the game. I don't know, Michael, you've played a lot of them. What, what do you think about that complaint? I think that, I think you're right, but I think part of the problem is the, the number of scenarios available. Um, and just, just, just the fact that by there's so many that they can vary wildly. Now, are you playing community scenarios or just the, the standalone scenarios that come with the game? I haven't played any, any community scenarios. Oh, but okay, let's, let's put that on hold for a second, by the way, because I had a problem. I, you know, I have the game on Steam. I actually got it a while back and, and have the, the um, I guess it's the War Game of the Year edition. It was uh, on sale some time ago. Yeah. And a whole bunch of the scenarios ask me, you know, Please, you don't, this is not licensed. You don't have, you give us. A, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I had to go, I mean, I had to play the game. You know, you'll see that I have hardly played it on Steam because I had to go and get my press download and play that because I, I, I couldn't play half the scenarios in this game. So the way they have it set up is it's a little wonky, but it, this game is, is, it's a behemoth, right? Right. It's an $80 game on Steam, full mm-hmm. retail, mm-hmm. which part, part that partially draws me to it because I'm like, ooh, War in the East. Okay. If, if these are $80, this has to be, you know. Right, it has th- to be good. Th- it has to be good. Um, so what they have is they have, uh, if, if you buy the base game, um, you have access to um, a, a slew of standalone scenarios. And those are exactly what you think in a scenario where here's a scenario from 1974, you've got this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to pierce the $80 barrier or to ease the barrier of entry to people, what they released are several um, uh, campaigns, which aren't really campaigns, but I'll get to that in a second. They released right. several campaigns um, priced at $20 each that you can buy standalone. So if you want to just get into the game and see if you like it, but you don't want to invest $80, mm-hmm. you can buy this $20 campaign. Mm-hmm. Um play through that series of scenarios and you can upgrade to the you get some discount when you upgrade to the full version later Mm -hmm. the problem is when you load uh so i I brought up the screen now because i just wanted to talk about it when i go to load scenario um i have listed chains of war community live northern inferno shifting sands standalone scenarios steam workshop Mm -hmm. so that's one two three four five six seven seven menu items and if I had just bought the base game, only one of those is going to be functional. But it's still there. The others basically tell you, in order to access these, you have to go buy them. Mm-hmm. Which is something of a misstep. I, would, I, think I completely would prefer- agree. Because it, it brings up scenarios like you say, where if it just adds them as you buy them, then you would know exactly right. what you have. But in the base game, you would have access to the standalone scenarios. Um, I started with Chains of War, which is um, which is a... a, a, a campaign um and then got up into the base game when it was on sale it's go, it goes down to like 35 bucks which is a pretty reasonable price for something this big uh or no northern inferno that was the first one they did of these um so the the licensing setup is a little bit it's a little bit uh, wonky um but what you get for those um campaigns are very well-made scripted multi-scenario affairs um, the only drawback being you're, you're, so the way the game is scored, cause you get a score at the end, you get a rating for how you did is basically, mm-hmm. um, how well you achieved the, um, objectives, ships that you lost count against you, but also the munitions used, right? So if you used up 
every missile you had or every torpedo you had, um, your score will be lower than if you were able to be more efficient with those, which mm-hmm. I actually think is a nice touch because it gets around some of the problems with um, scenario-based design. All of your decision-making is based on these factors you have right in front of you and kind of ignore the real-life strategic consequences of those. Right. So ultimately what it f- affects is your, your score at the end. Um, when you have the campaigns, they're basically a list of standalone scenarios that are thematically related. And I think your score gets tallied up at the final end of it all. But, you know, your munitions usage doesn't carry forward. Units don't carry forward. It's just a series of of missions. But they're all very well made. They also have what are called the live scenarios, which are two or three bucks on Steam. Those are also very well made standalone scenarios. Usually they're called live because I think, as Troy mentioned, they, they do keep up with current events. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them, like there was one based on Brexit. There's been stuff based on Korea. Um, and they're single scenarios, which you can buy. Um, and then there's also the community scenarios. So it does support Steam Workshop. Um, there is like the one ultra giant mega pack of user created scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one, most recent, there's a little cartoon that says 400. They just hit 400 scenarios. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted 400 scenarios, um for this game of varying quality and depth you can Mm -hmm. get them but that's what happens is when you buy the base game you have access to all the standalone scenarios the campaigns can be added on user scenarios can be added on but there's there's a lot of gaming there um but that's what you were seeing when you tried to fire this up the first time yeah because i i i bailed on that i thought that i had you know not not bought the thing that i wanted to buy so maybe i should so i just went back to the um and played the uh the downloadable press version that uh you know have access to so but uh in any case so yeah so so tell me more about this uh the the things that you like about it michael because i mean there are definitely things that i like about the game too oh yeah um, but, yeah but uh but but why don't you start off i had a funny realization with this game it, it actually tapped into something from a long time ago that i sort of forgot was there like in my youth um so you're gonna laugh, but I grew up in a, in a we'll call it a post Top Gun world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right after, when I was young, right after my dinosaur phase, when I could tell you everything <laughs> you wanted to know about dinosaurs, mm-hmm. um, it was planes, jets, fighter jets especially. And I distinctly remember getting a um, a spiral brown book where every page was just the you know the statistical breakdown of of you know F14, um, F15, you know MIGs. And then I would just pour over that. If you wanted to keep me busy as a kid, give me something spiral bound with like a new entry on each page. And I would just, I would just dive into it. Mm -hmm. So I was very much into, you know, basically the information that is contained within the database in this game. And, um, you know, I could tell you about hard points. I could tell you who had Northrop Grumman engines (laughs) or, and, uh, things like that. And it, 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 it was a lot of fun for me. And then I grew out of it and I got into something else. And then, um, but going into this and going into the very, very deep, very detailed database, I could just sit there and read through that for a very long time. Is mm-hmm. that worth $80? I don't know. I'm sure this avail- information is available elsewhere. Um, but I end up, when I play this game, I end up on kind of the, it's sort of like the Wikipedia rabbit hole mm-hmm. where you just sort of get lost in information. And, and it's enjoyable because you just keep finding more stuff to read about. And I think... The era that this kind of sits happily, most happily in, which is probably 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. I think, military technology, mm-hmm. like that's that 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 was my jam. That was where I was, you know, 
most interested in, and um, it kind of rekindled my enthusiasm for it. And it, it lets me put those things together and, and, and kind of play out, you know, what I was doing as a kid with models of these things and, and just, you know, playing at war games. Um, I like that deep amount of information. Um, I like the, and I like the, the various levels of depth you can go into this. Now there are, you can, you can just sort of make missions for your, your craft, your aircraft or your, um, sea craft and just say, go do this. And then they'll figure it out. You can also script them to say, go to a low altitude to stay behind this mountain range to avoid radar detection if you <laughs> want to do that. And um, I think, you know, interface quirks aside, with a, a, a modicum of information available to you, you can have a lot of fun with this game. And it just gets deeper from there. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy in games are things that you can you can get into at first and have a passable, enjoyable experience. But there's constantly things for you to dig into, constantly things for you to optimize um, and, and just... It, it's a never-ending rabbit hole, and for me, I find that quite fun. I mean, this is... We talked we talked about the War Game series from Yugen Systems a while ago. We talked about how much it was kind of a love letter to, you know, Cold War equipment, you know, fetishes. Um, and I came to the love of aircraft, a lot like you, Michael, and I came to it much, much later in life. It was Harpoon that kind of got that, me into it, so opening this game and say, oh, frogfoots and f fencers and flankers, oh my. It's like wonderful to see all of these great aircraft that I had so much fun with uh, in earlier war games. Uh, and the data set is just outstandingly deep. Um, uh, you know, what kind of aircraft was Brunei flying in 1974? Well, you go to the data set, the Cold War data set, and you say, well, Brunei has this. And then you can put that in your scenario whether it's in a scenario now or not, it's in the database. And the database is just an outstanding thing to play around with. And um, you know, I, when there was an article last year, I think, or a couple of years ago, about the F-35 um, boondoggle, is it a good plane, is it a bad plane, uh, the developer said, oh, well, we can run that simulation. Well, no, you actually can't. I mean, just because you have an F-35 in your game doesn't mean you have any idea how an F-35 is actually going to work. Uh, and that's always, you know, an issue with these modern military simulators is we don't know how this hardware is going to perform uh, when it actually clashes in the real world. Um, but we can have fun running through a little sandbox, running our models into each other. Um, and it's really an outstanding little... Um, experimentation engine. It's good to have all of this wide variety of scenarios. There's a bit of, there's a bit of uh, operational art of war stuff going on here. The idea that, well, if we know what the equipment has, what it looks like, and we can put them in a, a unit together, um, then we can bang them into each other and we can see how the war will work out. Um, but, you know, they have variables for training. They have variables for pilot skill. They have so much stuff going on. It is really this full-purpose air-naval uh, war, war game set. And I just love the ambition of it. And the game itself, I mean, it is challenging. It is a, it is the kind of game that I'm, I'm playing this, and I'm also playing Command Ops, too, at the same time. Um, and they both, you know, kind of challenge me in my... challenge my desire to fix things. A lot of games, I want to tinker with things, I want to fix things. In Command Ops, for example, and we'll talk about this if we do a show on it, 
it's testing my patience that you got to make a plan <laughs> and wait for the plan to work out. Don't start mucking with things till the plans actually happen. Um, in this game, there's the, is this a crisis right now? Is this a crisis right now? Is this a crisis right now? Because you, what is that new signal? What is that new object? Um, wh- why are my weapon stores, or why my weapon stores are depleted of ECM? What can I do now to take out that radar? Uh, there's, this is a, a crisis that can be solved with submarines. Um, I'm not that concerned about the score. I don't want to, I'm, I've never been a, high score type person, at least not since Pac-Man. Uh, so if I go through my weapon stores, I don't care. Another $16 billion in the Pentagon budget, I'm fine. Um, but there is this constant push to what do I have left in the toolbox to solve this problem I've made for myself by being a bad Air Force general, by not setting up the proper cap. Um, this is a game that requires not just seeing a plan through, but making sure you have a damn plan to begin with. Um, modern warfare is, I mean, naval warfare really since the beginning of time has been about finding your enemy. It's all about search and destroy. Modern warfare is so much about blinding your enemy, making sure they can't find you. Uh, so taking out the radar, spotting where the things are, and then flying in undetected. That's what modern war is. It's about, you know, poking the other guy's eyes out. Um, and that's not easy, especially with nested radars of different frequencies. And can this plane get through? Can what, you have to learn which radars are your priorities. It's not always the one with the biggest range, because it might have a big range, but it might be crap radar for certain of your planes. Uh, so there's this whole learning that's involved uh, that is... Kind of taxing. <laughs> uh, it's not a game like just blow through a scenario. Oh well, let's try that again. And I play a scenario. And say, well, I'm done with that for the day. Uh, which is not the way I like to play war games. I like to like give a whole day to them. This isn't really a game I give a whole day to. It's it's it is trying. It is. I kind of like that. That's something kind of fresh for me. It, it's also interesting because one of the things that you learn really quickly is that. Um, I've never played a game before where I really cared about sensors. Um, I, I guess they're there. I don't know. I'm, I'm plowing this tank through a field, but I think sensors are as important or more important than your weapon systems in this yeah. game. Your use of active sensors, sauna buoys, passive sensors. I mean, th- that's like you said, if it's about finding or being not found, those are the critical aspects of this game. And I think once I came to, you know, once I got through that point, I was like, Oh, I, I made a lot more progress. I had a lot more fun with it. Um, and then one more quick point as far as making a sandbox and seeing what could do against what. There's definitely... What was the movie where the aircraft carrier goes back in time to sell oh, Pearl the Harbor? Final Countdown. Yeah, there's definitely a scenario for that. So if you want to, you can do that. Yeah. Um, so I want a couple things that you mentioned there. Um, I think that, uh, you know this the idea of sensors in games i mean that's 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 an important point i think that we've been we've been sort of doing sensors in games in various ways uh as far back as well at least you know in napoleonic games you have to uh identify the enemy before you're able to concentrate on them um in world war ii carrier games obviously uh you know especially things like carriers at war 
the original version, I remember the whole the game really was about sending out your search planes and finding out where the enemy was. Um, and you know th- that in that sense, those were your sensors. And now you have, you know, sensors which, you know, detect radar emissions. Uh, you know, uh, which detect you know basically everything. You know, sonar. Uh, all, all the different weapon systems have ways of being detected and ways of not being detected. Um, and I, I think that that kind of thing is, uh, you know, it's a fundamentally different way to play a game. It's trying to, trying to detect rather than trying to destroy. Um, the, the thing that I, I find a little odd about the game, the way it's, it's put together, I, I feel like, again, in, in terms of game design, Games should have some sort of design focus, right? So there are games in which you have uh, tactical control of aircraft, and there are games in which you don't. For example, uh, you know, Troy and I have talked to Lee Brimacom Wood several times on the show, and Lee is sort of the, uh, I guess, the father of the raid-level game and board games, where instead of the old air war um uh, flight leader, single aircraft, you know, representation and, you know, minute to minute control. It, Lee designed this idea that you have a raid level game where you p- actually planning the raid and executing the raid is one of the, you know, that's, that's sort of what your goal is. And then you use all the tools of the game to do that and carry it out. Um, your, Unit representation rep- represents, uh, you know, the raid level. So I find it odd in this game that you are able to make all of these, you know, you, your your whole thing is that you're trying to plan all of this, this uh, you know, all of your operations in this kind of coordinated manner. But then you get the ability to super micromanage individual aircraft and individual weapon systems to an incredible degree, which I find sort of from a design perspective, odd. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on that kind of disconnect? It was a big disconnect for me. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'd call it odd. I think that it's, it's a problem that I think a lot of, Troy, plug your ears. I think it's a problem a lot of Paradox games have where the notion that because something's there, it either must be useful or it wouldn't be there unless it was necessary. I think that this game, because of its scope or depth or breadth, its bigness, its bigliness. Its bigliness. It's because of the game's bigliness. Those things are there, and surely someone, someone somewhere, probably the same person who is mad at us for not getting it or missing some very small technical details, um, they want that. I really don't think, however, necessarily that you have to, you have to have them, that you have to dig that far. I certainly don't on a lot of um, scenarios. Like, you go into your MCON settings to set up you know if your weapon's free what what are you doing what are your what are your what are your uh aircraft doing based on fuel levels mm-hmm. um which which led to a lot of helicopters in the sea let me tell you before i figured out <laughs> where those were um because i'd say no you're not done patrolling yet just keep going buddy you're good you're mm. good um 
but yes, you can you when you set up a mission and you set up a you know an attack scenario, you can say which specific you know missiles are you allowed to fire, mm-hmm. um, which weapon systems are you allowed to engage, or you can just say, hey, do whatever you got to do to get the job done. Um, I it's funny because you you bring up a really good point, and I think that having listened to Every literally every episode of this show for many years, uh, both by necessity and for I would probably anyway, this game seems like the anti-Bruce. Um, it seems like everything that you typically seem to enjoy or espouse as far as game design, as far as specificity, um, things that, uh, you know, I would say well-considered and uh, editorial design of game systems mm-hmm. is 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 lacking here does that make it a bad game no um but i think that this this has in fact i'll settle on that i think it's the lack of editorial design that this game just if and it's it's the far end of the bell curve right, right. i don't think this in any way exhibits um what an average person might enjoy. Now, sales would say otherwise. This game has done very well mm-hmm. um, and continues to be well supported. But yeah. this this is the far end of the bell curve. And I think that in lieu of, you know, you say they shouldn't necessarily get a pass, but in lieu of tight and focused design, mm-hmm. yeah, they hate, this is the fundamental build a system, rivet counter as deep as you want, and then bash these things together and see what happens. Um I don't think it's a problem because personally I'm I'm more than happy to take that at face value. Okay. Um it, it sort of it sort of it is what it is. Um is it is it the best designed interface? No. Is it the most tightly uh paced game like you said before? Absolutely not. Um but for what it is, it's it's I think in the game space right now, and I'm not the expert in this, but I think it's it's unique. I think um I think for a certain subset of people, this is, you know, the end all be all. And, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it like that way. Um, so that's a long winded way to say, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just don't necessarily think it's a problem. It just sort of is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly not a problem in the sense that it's some objective, you know, failing that, that a game has it, but I, I feel it sort of acutely. Every time I play the game, I feel like, you know, why why are they letting me do this, or why why is the game, you know, uh, you know, showing me this information in this way, and why why when I you know such things that are so simple, like I have a I have a unit designation, and it gives me, you know, it's it's uh, you know squadron and whatever, and, and it doesn't give me the unit type, right? I mean, it it it's 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 as though the game is trying to just load all of the possible detail into a box and then just let you play with it, which is certainly, you know, a way to do it. But, I mean, people compare this to, to War in the East. You know, it, it's not like War in the East at all. I mean, War in the East is a game in which you, you know, for all of its, you know, opacity or whatever, you know, Gary Grigsby had to decide how he was going to represent certain things. And, you know, he's restricted to a hex grid. He's restricted to units. How are they going to move? How are they going to interact? Here, I feel like the game just basically says, here's all this stuff. Let's uh, let's have it fight 
at the, you know, pixel to pixel level um, and just let it all go and see what happens. It's almost, I mean, you can't predict what's going to happen because it's, you know, it's trying to be this, you know, super realistic thing, which I, I find, you know, I, I don't know that it's realistic. I think it's just extremely detailed and granular. I wouldn't call it realistic. It's, I mean, the, the number of times this thing pauses to let me look at information in real time that I would never have the opportunity to to react to. Like you said, there would be multiple, uh, in, real, in real life, there would be multiple people, each of whom would be reacting only to specific, uh, you know, inputs. Uh, you know, certain sensors would be controlled by certain people, certain aircraft would be controlled, controlled by other people. This would be a sort of, you know, uh, a cooperative exercise. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I really, I really appreciate a well-designed game. I don't think that this qualifies as a well-designed game in any way, but I think that it does do a great job of representing all of the things that people would want to play with. And the fact that it can handle things from the 1950s to the, you know, to the present day, I think is a, is a pretty, uh, pretty remarkable achievement. It, if there's one thing we love, it's a good definitional argument. I mean, it's sold on Steam. Is this at this point? Do we say is this a game? Oh, it's definitely a game, <laughs> right? I mean, oh, yeah. is it? I mean, is it, oh for sure. I mean, it, yeah. some there, of the things you fall back on as far as like what it was developed for. If this true, and I, I know the full background of this. If it was truly developed as a simulational training tool, then it's a simulational training tool that happens to be sold on Steam and therefore falls to the criticism of you know, other games, things that were designed to be a game. And it could be that this is something that wasn't designed to be enjoyable, but is something that people find enjoyable. And it's sort of like the happy coincidence of who 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 can pot potentially use this uh, software. It's, it's, it, it's certainly a game. I mean, there's no one's making a simulational tool to fight wars in 1950. That is, you know, so the fact they have this database going back that far and the fact that they give, they give you a score at the end and they give you these objectives it's you know it's certainly a game absolutely well, there is a um, professional is edition though right i believe so yeah i mean i there is there is one for sure because one of the things that the professional edition has is this ability to to uh to export uh the the game to this thing called tack view which shows you all these really cool you know um uh, visual representations of what happens in the game that uh, you don't get in the actual in, in the in the actual game um but uh, but which which and i i uh, i believe that that professional edition is used as a training tool i mean professionally for for militaries i think we, i guess our fact checkers can can you get the fact checkers on that i'll do that i'll i'll fire them up right now you're just gonna hear my mechanical keyboard in the background i'll edit oh, that okay. out <laughs> So, um, so I, th I think, but I mean, it's clearly a game. And, I mean, it's it's designed as a uh, it's designed as a game because your your fundamental uh, your fundamental feedback is is sort of game style, not uh, not evaluation style. Um, yeah, you get a score at the end, but you know, if you were if you were, uh, I think if if this were a training tool, you'd have a lot more. Uh, evaluation mechanisms in it. I mean, if the 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 this this um, matrix 
version that that is eighty dollars for for uh, for purchase. I don't know how much the I, I don't know if what our fact checkers have gotten on the um, on the professional edition and, and what what uh, what it what it gets us, but I'm sure that the, I'm sure they're hard at work doing that. I ha- I'm seeing a license table that tells you all the different versions. There's mm-hmm. an academic use version, a commerce, government, military use version that has a mm-hmm. lot of yeses and greens. I don't nah. see a price for that, but I'm sure at that point their their licensing scheme is yeah changes you know, yeah. How many you know maybe you've got network licenses you can pull and things like that. There's a you can have local multiplayer in a future version of the commercial versions, which there is no multiplayer. There hasn't been. I don't think they're prioritizing it as a design for this from what I've read. Right. Um, so if that matters to you, uh, it, it does not exist at this point. Does it matter to you? Is this a game you'd like to do multiplayer? No. <laughs> God, no. Not at all. <laughs> can you imagine trying to find the time for this? I mean, these scenarios, yeah. a lot of them take a very long time. Um, even the short ones, you know, with the pauses and the waits and the wait a minute, what did I do there? Uh, earlier this morning, I shot at a fishing boat because I thought it was something else. I do like that. Like, what is that? Oh, it's a whale. We were picking up a whale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a game where you can, unlike Harpoon, where generally everything was, and everything you found was going to be an enemy. I mean, the man will say, oh, it might be neutral. It's always an enemy in Harpoon. Here, there's, you might have a civilian ship running through your combat zone, uh, right. and you have to identify what it is, and there's always a tension of, okay, can I wait? Do I have enough other information to believe this might be worth sending planes out on a sortie to so once I know for sure, I can get the drop on them? Or do you wait? And there's a lot of this, um, there is some real decision-making going on here uh, in the game just based on what do I find and when did I find it and where did I find it? Um, Especially in the South China Sea area around the Spratleys where there's a lot of civilian ships um, and also a lot of small uh, patrol boats that are enemies, and it's really quite challenging in setting your radars up, getting helicopters out in the right direction, um, even just knowing where to look. I really do love that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of naval games. Generally, we've talked about this many, many times, but I do like games that are about the hunt, and this is a game that is very much about the hunt, Mm-hmm. Um, especially at sea. Now, the air combat stuff, that's about, you know, getting your pickets up and your combat air patrol and clearing right. things, and that's about a lot of procedure. That's about following, following the rule That's the part book. I like, actually. That's, 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 the procedure, that's why I find more fun, yeah. You're, you're more into, how do I get this set up right? Yep. S- mm-hmm. s- such a producer. That's right. <laughs> Everything has a place. Yeah. And so and I, I really do love um, how this game does... Re- does call on so many different skills, um, and it is a it is a good war game that I just wish I had more affection for. Right now, I'm still in the I'm still you know weeks later still in the I'm kind of scared of this mode, still feeling a bit intimidated. Not in the, I mean a lot of games intimidate me. I don't learn them as fast as I used to, um, but you know. Grigsby's games, Command Ops, I got over that pretty quickly. Here I'm still in the, oh my god, how do I, de- how do I handle this map mode? Because every, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean is a very different setup from the Spratlys, which is very different from the Giyuk Gap, uh, which is very different from radar stations 20 miles from my hometown. 
Um, so it's yeah. There's a there's a scenario where you um you you try to like sabotage Halifax. They deserve it. I mean, come <laughs> on, jeez, nobody likes Halifax. Yeah. Well, it's uh you know the the um. Yeah, I guess I guess the uh, the thing that that I would say in 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 response to your thing about who has the time to play, you know, a, a multiplayer game of this. I mean, I'm sure you could set it up. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, people get together all weekend to play, you know, board games at conventions. I mean, I'm sure yeah, that people that, that, could that, set that's up. That's in a, that's in person. I mean, I think I think it's a very different feeling to try to do this, you know, online with somebody for four hours and you no, know, you're not. Drinking your well, beer take, and pointing at stuff. I think, so. think it's going to take a lot more than four hours. I mean, people play, you know, do World of Warcraft, uh, uh, you know, raids that take that long. So I think people. I mean, I, th- I don't think the time. I don't think I the know, time is. A, we're, 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 is, is, a, is, is is social. I think this is very. I mean, I, th- I think this is very different. I think that because there is so much. I don't know. I'm sure it'll appeal to somebody, but I'm not sure it'll appeal to me. How's that? Okay. That's fair. Sure. Unlike, I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like to do command ops multiplayer. I'd love to do some close combat multiplayer. Uh, but this, I don't think, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad they've decided it's kind of a low priority. Um, and if they can work it out, great. Maybe someone out there will love it. But I can't, I can't imagine it working for me multiplayer. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm fussy. I don't like people. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it certainly has plenty. It certainly has plenty to offer as a single-player game. I don't know how deep I'm going to um, dive into it because the, the the point at which I really want to play the game is the point at which I think the game gives me too much to do. And uh, you know, I'd love to do sort of the uh, you know carrier task force versus you know naval. Uh, surface force kind of thing uh versus submarines versus land-based air um but the amount of sort of fiddling with the game that i need to do to make that happen is far far outweighs the amount of uh enjoyment i get out of the the sort of positive feedback i get out of seeing things i think that that's a game that is that situation is much better done for me in something like the fleet series uh, mm. from victory games where i where i can uh where, where things are concentrated to to the to the level of decision that i enjoy more uh than the you know fiddle with every single system it just doesn't it, at some point it becomes a little drudgery for me and and not not enjoyable so that's 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 my perspective on the game that's just where that's how i approach it and where i come from so any any final thoughts michael yeah, um, I just wanted to mention I'm going to drop a bunch of links into this game because the listener might be at home and thinking to themselves, self, this sounds interesting. There's a lot of information here, but it sound, it seems really overwhelming. I think there's a lot of really good resources out there. Um, the aforementioned Belugan had some great YouTube series. I don't think he creates those anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, there's a, a, a single blog entry he did, which was, I think, 90% of what you need to know to play Seamano. And mm-hmm. um, it's just it's it's a list of tips and bullet points as far as some of the fundamental concepts that if you if you can get those, you're like good to go. Um, but I'll, I'll put links to that. There's another YouTube user. Um, I think the channel name is Stoic Frog Gaming. Um, he does really good um, 
recordings for this game. Um, and there's always new stuff coming out, which again, I think that's a selling point. They, they continue to support this and release this and update it. And this came out, I think five years ago, 2013, maybe. Um, but, um, in general, I'll, I'll put some links there. So if you think it's interesting, you can also check out the $20 kind of base versions. Um, but you know, I, I, I think I was the one who pitched this for the winter of war gaming. Um, I quite enjoy it. Um, I'm going to, this is one of those games where I'm going to keep playing it after we've talked about it because Mm -hmm. it's just sort of, it, it's, it's in what I consider the fun zone. It's, um, it also gives me a certain amount of satisfaction because, um, if I was going to rate it on things that my wife rolls her eyes at, this is like four out of five eye rolls. Um, (laughs) it was great because when I had started getting into it, she came into the office and looked at what I was doing and just was like, what? what what is this and i started mm-hmm. to explain it and just then that that loud klaxon like for an incoming torpedo goes off like whoop whoop <laughs> and uh she just kind of shook her head and walked away and that was when i knew i really had a hit um, that's awesome so that's 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 another good selling point uh so those links michael mentioned will be on our forum that you can find at idlethumbs.net which is a good place to talk about our episodes uh three moves ahead is brought to you by us and is produced by michael who you can listen to and is hosted on idle thumbs network uh, it is Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners like you at patreon.com slash 3MA if you would like to show your support uh, the money goes to support many of the freelancers on our show and also pay for the first rate production uh, that we get on the show about very very weird games Winter of War Gaming will hopefully continue imminently with something that Bruce actually likes uh, very much uh, very shortly, uh, we want to continue with Winter of War Gaming because there is still snow here in Toronto. Now, I know it's still snow and it's February. Last year, we the snow was gone, and I kind of hate the snow. So Winter of War Gaming will continue shortly. Uh, thank you for listening. I am Troy Goodfellow, and for Bruce and Michael, have a good night.